Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today at another Next Level Brands Podcast. We're always grateful for the feedback and comments we get from the CPG community out there. If you have any ideas for the show, topics or guests, or just a comment, please feel free to reach out to me. That's steve at nextlevelbrands.com, next with two X's, brands.com. And if you enjoy the show, please follow us. Take a minute to subscribe and refer us to your friends. The more, the merrier. Well, we're in for a real treat today as the podcast welcomes a true legend in the natural and organic food industry, Udo Erasmus. Udo is the co-founder of Udo's Choice Line, which can be found in Whole Foods and other health food stores nationwide. He began his natural food career by designing the machinery for making oils with health in mind and pioneered flax oil, which of course now is a billion dollar industry. Today, he is an acclaimed speaker and author of many books, including the best-selling Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. He also teaches at events hosted by Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, and has traveled to over 30 countries to conduct thousands of live presentations media interviews, and staff trainings with his messages on oils, health, peace, nature, and human nature. Welcome to the program, Udo. Oh, glad to be on. It's a good way to spend a sunny morning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, wow, I, I just, um, you know, we always, uh, we get together a little bit before the program and talk and, and you know, your story is absolutely amazing. Um, I, I, I think we've got a, a dozen different topics we can talk about, but I, I would really kind of like to start, if you could, Share with people a little bit about your your personal background, um, which I think helped to give you kind of the outlook and focus and stuff that you have today. I, I was born into the worst situation imaginable. I, I was born during the Second World War, 1942. And when I was two and a half years old in the winter, in that winter, uh, the, the war ended in 45. And we were fleeing out of Poland on horse-drawn hay wagons mostly women with young children on dirt roads with no military presence. And we were being chased by the communists in tanks and trucks. But that's yeah. only half the story. The good guys, the allies, were actually using us refugees as target practice, shooting at us from planes. Yeah. Amazing. And we, so we were in the crossfire of that and it was chaos. I don't remember feeling safe. I don't remember what I could rely on. There were dead horses and dead people in the ditches. And uh, my mother, mother had six kids, six and younger with her. Two, uh, two were uh, kids that were orphans because their parents had died in the war. Right. And four were her kids. And the road was so unsafe that she decided to go through the fields, basically through the snow in the fields, because it was safer than the roads. Yeah. But she only has two hands, so she could only take two kids along. So she left four of us behind. <laughs> now, imagine being a mother having to make the decision to that leave your kids. And I was one of the kids that was left, left behind. And then we were going to go to Ber Berlin to a, a, where a relative lived, but she had already left. So I ended up in an orphanage for a few weeks. So for, I don't remember that much other than I remember the uncertainty and not feeling safe and being hungry sometimes. Uh, that's mostly what I remember. But what you know, and it sounds like really bad, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But I look at it now, it was an incredible gift to be born in that situation. Because if you know early on how well, how bad it can get, it doesn't get time yeah. for trying to make it better. Right, right, exactly. And that happened to me when I was six years old. Uh, we were in Germany, we made it out, we got reunited, my mother's sister found us and brought us back. And uh, when I was six years old, I listened to people arguing about things that seemed trivial to me as a six-year-old. And I never liked that tension in the argument because it was mean. <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. life-affirming, right? It was mean. And, I, and the thought came to me is, there must be a way that people can live in harmony. Right. And a little cocky six-year-old voice that doesn't know how complicated the world is said, I'm going to find out how. That's been my driver all my life. So I there got into go. yeah. and I got into science to understand how things work. Because if you know how things work, you can rely on them. I had nothing that I could felt I could rely on. Right. Then I got into biosciences, how creatures work. Then I got into psychology, how thinking works. Then I got into medicine, how health works. But I only learned about disease 
So I ended up going back into biological sciences because that's where you learn about health and and, and the nature of things because you're looking at normal functioning in normal environments of normal creatures. Whereas in in medicine, you learn about disease, but disease, just because you know what the darkness looks like, doesn't mean you know what light is. Right, (laughs) Right, yeah. Yeah, so, and then I left and eventually I got into self-knowledge because what I really needed to understand is how I work. And that's right. kind of basically is my background. And I'm, I was always interested in everything. There was a time when I thought if I knew everything, I'd be happy. But that's actually not true because no, no. you're happy when you're happy. And happiness and knowledge are two quite different things. Yes, they, and, they, indeed they are. Yeah, um, and, real quick, mm-hmm. how did you get from Germany to the United States? When did you come? How old were you? Uh, I mean, well, I'm in Canada, but. Uh, Canada, sorry. It's yeah, Canada. We, we came by boat from. Uh, uh, a, a city called Bremerhaven, which is in northern Germany. Mm-hmm. And it was a 13-year voyage through a huge hurricane. Oh. And the boat was just going up and down. It was just felt like it was standing on its head when it went down into the valley of the wave. And then I went up and oh, it felt like it was going to flip over backwards. And I would throw up in the morning and then I would go on the swings in the afternoon. Right. <laughs> When we were allowed on deck. I mean, there were days we weren't allowed on deck. And it took 13 days and we landed in Quebec City and ah, then took a yep. train across Canada to the West Coast. I, I grew up uh, near the West Coast. Near the West Coast. Um, so uh, in, in all of the, uh, again, the educational part and the mm-hmm. sciences and medicine and whatever, you began this work within the field of oils and no. effect no. on the, no? No, when I was doing science, I, got, I ended up in biochemistry and genetics. Right. And, and everybody was interested in DNA, RNA, and protein. This was the 60s. I'm, I'm yeah. 79. So yeah. this was in the 60s. And they had just busted the code. You know, Watson and Crick broke yep. the code, 1953. And everybody was, oh, my God, we can figure everything out about how everything works now. It turns out not to be true at all because it doesn't work. It's not that simple. Right. It's, there's a... And, and so everybody was into uh, DNA, RNA, and protein. We had to take a lipids course. Lipids means fats and oils. Mm-hmm. None of my professors were interested in it. And so I kind of caught their unenthusiasm. So I wasn't interested in it either. I took the, ju- took the, took the course, you know, understand what, how fats are made and all of that. But that was my least interest in, <laughs> in, in the years that I spent in biological sciences. Uh, so my interest came very different. I got married. We had three kids. My marriage broke up. I was really upset. I wanted to kill something. And I had gotten my license for pesticide application as on a gardening job I had. Right. So because I wanted to kill something, pesticides are made to kill things. So I got a full-time job as a pesticide sprayer and did that very carelessly for three years and then got poisoned by the pesticides I sprayed. Went to the doctor, said, what do you have for pesticide poisoning? She said nothing. And at that point, the penny dropped. Oh, my God. My health really is my responsibility. I mean, I was not like really a junk food eater ever. We lived pretty simply on a farm. But it was like, oh, my God, if I don't care about health, my health, maybe nobody does. And so I decided because I had the background to go into the journals to look for how to get healthy. And I looked for health and nutrition, disease and nutrition, because the idea was that while the body's made out of food, I sort of neglected water and air, but that's also important, or solar energy, right? So I was focused on the body's made out of food, and I knew that every year, 98% of the molecules in the body or the atoms in the body are removed and replaced. And that means that if something goes wrong in your body, if you raise the standard of intake of your foods, then in one year, you will have rebuilt 98% of your body to a higher standard. That's called healing. And the only reason healing is possible is because the body's always turning over. It's a major construction site. Right, right. Yes. And so I was trying to figure out what do I do? What are the pieces? And I hadn't studied nutrition specifically. I knew quite a bit about health through biology and got stuck on fats because it was confusing. It was really confusing. They would say, you know, omega-6s are essential. You have to have them. You can't live without them. You die if you don't get any. And other research in the same journal said, Omega-6s give you cancer and kill you. And I'm going, huh? How can that be possible? It's essential for health and it kills you. And 
it was that confusion, that, that contradiction that I was trying to come to terms with that made me look deeper. And I started to look at, at how oils are made. And right. it blew my mind. It blew my mind. Because oils are the omega-3 and omega-6 are the two essential fatty acids. You got to bring them in from outside because you can't make them in your body from anything else. Right. They, they, um, they have many functions. If you don't get enough, you, your health will deteriorate and that'll get worse with time. And if you don't get enough long enough, you die. This is like the, the essential building blocks for body construction and function. And if you bring back the, the missing essential nutrients while you're going down, but before you die, because death by def definition is not reversible, right? Right. You bring them back, all of the problems you get from not getting enough are reversed because life knows how to build a body provided we take responsibility at our mouth to make sure that all the building blocks it needs to make the body land in the body so right. it can use it. And, um, and, so, and then the year after I got poisoned, I got poisoned in 1980. The year after, 1981, it was established that omega-3 is also essential by the definition I just gave. Right. Omega-6 that was known in 1929, way back, this 1981. And they said 99% of the population doesn't get enough omega-3s for optimum health. So there got to be lots of problems from not getting enough of this essential building block. Right. Every cell needs them. They're a nightmare to work with because they're very, very sensitive to damage by light, oxygen, and heat. And so they have to be made with health in mind and you have to take care of them. You have to refrigerate them and you got to protect them from light and protect them from oxygen. You can't use them for frying. And when I got this, when this came together and, and I had learned that, that the reason why, um, that, the, that the way the industry makes oils, they treat them with Drano, which is sodium hydroxide, very corrosive base that we use to clean our clogged pipes in our yeah. sink. Yeah. And then phosphoric acid, a very corrosive acid that's used commercially for window washing, <laughs> window degreasing. And then they're bleached that, and that turns them rancid. Now they smell bad. And then they have to be heated to frying temperature in a process called deodorization, or I call it de-stinkerization. Stinkerization, yeah. In yeah. order to get an oil that is colorless, odorless, tasteless, then they flip it in a, in a plastic bottle, stick it on the shelf where it's exposed to light. And those are the oils that have been damaged about 1% before we even buy them. Right. And if you have, an, and, and if you have a, a tablespoon of an oil that is 1% damaged, you have 60 quintillion damaged molecules in that oil. That's more than a million damaged molecules for every one of the body's 60 trillion cells. And that will change gene, gene expression. And it never changes gene expression in a good direction. It's always in a bad direction. Right. And so the association with oils, and then you fry them, and you don't just use one tablespoon, but usually two to four. Oh, yes. You've got to multiply that out. And... There's the research says that when you overheat starch or protein or oil, and the way we usually overheat them is by frying them frying. in oil. Yeah. Each one of those three, independent of the others, will increase your risk of inflammation and cancer. And, and so, um, so knowing that, I said, I can't get healthy on oils made like this. They need to be made with health in mind. And the second one was, oh, my God. And this was the, this was the kicker. Oh my God, if we could make omega-3s with health in mind and could bring them back into the population and optimize their intake, right. oh my God, we could help almost everybody. And it was the enthusiasm of, it was like, I just found a purpose for my life. I stumbled on it. You know, it wasn't, this wasn't something I figured out. You know, oils were not interesting to me, <laughs> but all of a sudden they became super interesting in me. Because more health problems come from damaged oils than any other part of nutrition, and more health benefits come from making an oil change from the damaged oils to good oils. Right. And so I said, oh, my God. And then it was enthusiasm. I had no business background, good academic background, but no business background. Got together with a bunch of people because I was really excited that we, could, that we could do this. And then we basically built it, and we built it on enthusiasm. <laughs> but we made a ton of business decisions that all had to do with the standards that we wanted to, to nail down. Right. And those standards were unusual in the oil industry because nobody refrigerates, refrigerates, 
refrigerates oil usually, right? And then we went out and we were so excited. We went out in a van without air conditioning in the US in the hottest months of the year, half of June to half of September. So July, August, I slept on the floor of the van. We had our, our clothes hanging on a broomstick inside the double doors. No, no air conditioning, right? And we went to uh, 85 cities in 101 days, 35 states, 17,000 miles by road, and talked to anybody who would listen. And a lot of people liked to listen because of the enthusiasm. The inspiration is what drove that, product, that project. So, Udo, why, why flax? Yeah. And, and what's the process for creating the oil? Or, yeah. or okay. distilling the oil so or whatever. Why flax? Is. Because flax is the richest single source of omega three, and we want and and uh, and that is easily available to us. But it's a nightmare to work with. So what we had to do to make the flax oil is we had to protect the oil from light, from oxygen, and from heat while it's being pressed, while it's being settled, while it's being filtered, while it's being filled. Then we put the bottles in the fridge in the factory, in the fridge in the stores, in the fridge at home. And we had uh, never use it for frying because if the better it is for you, the, the more toxic it becomes when you fry it. And so right. we explained to people, you use this oil after the food comes off the fire. Right. So, so we had to make a very, very tight system and the industry has never done that. The industry makes a mess at the front end and then they use a chemical feast to to clean it up at the back end. When they let the oil sit in tanks that where oxygen goes in, but when you do that to, to flax oil, you let oxygen in the flax oil, it goes rancid pretty quick. Just right. like fish oils, which are even more sensitive. Yep. You know, if you get a bottled fish oil, yep. you know, you open it up, it's sitting in your fridge, you open the fridge, you can smell the paint. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. the rancid fish oil. Yep. And, or you take a capsule and then you burp and then you get this, this rancid burp. Right. because of how sensitive the oils are and because the care is not taken to protect them from oxygen, from light and from heat. Better, better to have them from the fish maybe. So, um, no, not. No. No, it's not because the fish oils are even more damaged than the, than the, the cooking oils. Better oh, to okay. get. Oh yeah, right, the in bottled, bottled ones. Yeah. yeah. Better, better you get the, the, the basic uh, essential fatty acid because the fish oil has essential fatty acid derivatives, not essential fatty acids. Essential fatty acids are from plants and our body can convert them. And the problem for most people is they don't get enough starting material to do the conversion in their body. The issue is not that the body can't convert. The issue is we're not getting enough undamaged omega-3s in our body for the body to do, for, for the body to do that work. And in terms of, I mean, in terms of plants, what's kind of the hierarchy of what you would eat or prepare or whatever to increase those oils? Well, uh, flax oil is the richest source of omega-3. Right. Sunflower and sesame, pretty much all of the, the cooking oils have omega-6s, but they got that 1% damage too. Right. Right. right? That gets you a th more than a million mo damaged yeah, molecules yeah. for every cell in the body. So what you really, what we did, you know, is I became omega-6 deficient on flax oil. It's the only oil that can make you omega-6 deficient. Usually people are omega-3 deficient. Right. Flax has so much omega-3 and so little omega-6. I became omega-6 deficient, dry eyes, skipped heartbeats, oh. arthritis oh. like pain in finger joints and thin papery skin. Uh. And, and fixed it by eating sunflower and sesame seeds because they have, actually I did it with sunflower yeah. seeds. They have a lot of omega-6, but no omega-3 to bring the balance back. The balance between the two is very important because they compete in the body in some ways. So and so, and so, um, and so then I developed a blend because flax oil has this downside that you can become omega six deficient on, and that's why I don't use flax oil anymore. I work with a blend that's of nine different ingredients. So we dealt with the balance, and uh, they're, they're in glass, and there's a box around the bottle, and they're in the fridge, in the supplement section, in the health food stores, mostly. Right, right. Uh, you know because they need that kind of care. And and so you you were on your road trip and whatever. Now the the actual process or the I'm not gonna I don't want to call it a plant because that's terrible, but a plant. Whatever you were doing to to actually make the stuff that was up in Canada, right at the time. Uh, we started in Canada. Yep. Yeah, we started in Canada, but then the FDA closed the border because they had 
they had um, they had decided that linseed oil, which is the damaged version of flax oil, yes, was too sensitive to damage to rancidity. So they had made it called it an unsafe food additive. And when we came out with the oil, they stopped us at the border because at the border you don't have any recourse. They, no. they have a hundred percent jurisdiction at the border. Yeah. So uh, while you were eating turkey or whatever it is you eat for Thanksgiving one year, we had to move the whole plant from Vancouver to Ferndale, Washington, which is yep. just across the border. Yeah. And then and then because we knew the oil, we had a three month shelf life on the oil because it's sensitive. So so that was like it's that's that's hard to work with too. That's but we very said hard to work with. The yes. oil needs it, so we got to give it because if you don't give it the care it needs at the front end, it's going to lose its value for health. And we're we're trying to get people healthy, so we have to give the you know, we have to give the oil its due, and um, and so now they they if they wanted to sue us if they wanted to stop us they would have to sue us, and they never did. We we had this Democles sword hanging over our head <laughs> for like ten years. You never got that cease and desist letter. <laughs> never got it. No, and wow. I, I I had a chance to talk to one of the commissioners about ten years later, and I asked him why didn't you sue us? I said, well, we wanted to. But every time we tested the oil, it was not rancid within the shelf life that you had put on it. So we couldn't. We so we we couldn't win a, a um, we couldn't win a lawsuit against you by our definition. So we didn't decide not to start one. In in terms of marketing the channel, obviously you were approaching and and still uh, it's a stalwart of health food stores. So when yes, we we worked within the health food industry. And then did you do co-ops and when did Whole Foods come into the mix? Was that a lot? Well, Whole Foods is part of the health food trade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they they came in. We were there before, long before they started because we started um, distributing the oil in 1987. Okay. Right. And I don't remember exactly when Whole Foods came in, but it was quite a, probably 10 years after that. Yeah. Yeah. And we went everywhere. We talked to everybody. We had... You know, some some places we went, two people showed up. Some places we went, fifteen hundred people showed up. So we just talked to everybody, and they just the, they just caught the bug. They caught the excitement. In two years, flax oil was the second highest selling oil in the in the natural foods trade. Yeah. Two years, and it was difficult, and it would cost four times more than people are used to paying right. for oil. But they they bought the story, and they bought the oil, and they saw the benefits of the oil in their own health, and so then. A lot of people helped us with our marketing because they told their friends. Yes, right. You have to. Well, the, the shelf life, as most of the folks out there know, is, is, is so critical in, in retail, right, in particular, yeah. and, and whatever. When you're talking about something that um, is going to go rancid or, you know, and whatever, within that period of time, you have to, you have to be able to, to, to move it. And that's an, yeah. an issue with distributors don't want to have a product yeah. that does, they're the whole supply chain thing you can imagine, right? Yeah. Uh, getting in there. But the one thing that's been interesting has been this fact that there are a number of products, not just not just the oils, but also other products, whether it's bars or drinks or whatever, that require the refrigeration because Mm -hmm. of the short shelf life. And and so a lot of people who started out to try to sell these products, the only people that had the open refrigerator things were the the dairy buyer, the milk buyer. They don't know what these things are. and And sometimes grocery. Yeah, right. And the, but the perfect bar guy comes in and goes, well, where am I, I got to put my guard, but they, they got to be in the refrigerated section. And they go, well, that's the, uh, that's the milk guy over there. He takes care yeah. of that. And they don't know what's going on. But yeah. that, that area has increased significantly. Um, juices, again, a yeah. lot of, a lot of that stuff has increased in the last few years. Sure. But when you guys were starting out doing, it was a novelty. So where, where did you end up with in the stores? I mean, you had to be in a refrigerator. So what were you next to? In the refrigerators, in the supplement section. Supplement section. Even though okay. the oil is not a supplement, the oil is actually a food oil foundation. Sure. Yeah. You know, because um, uh, carbs, proteins, and, and fats are the three pillars of digest of, of, of uh, nutrition. Right. They're the, the things we eat the most of. So we're talking about two to four tablespoons of oil a day as a foundation. Right. And you can't fix what's wrong with the foundation by taking a supplement. Like fish yeah. oil will not fix what's wrong with our cooking oils. You have to right. change the cooking oils only and then and not cook with them. <laughs> not cook with them. How has so how has that evolved? Uh, primarily, Udo's Choice still found in 
supplement areas or have you yep. graduated? Into, yeah, we, you know? yeah, we got known by the supplement buyers and uh, making the move into grocery uh, has been very slow and difficult, but we haven't really pushed it either because it's pretty much in all the stores and people know it and it has it. There's a whole history. It's embedded in the, in the culture, you know, yeah. and that just can't, comes with time, right? And the target audience. We've also audience. been able to do one other thing is that we were able to tighten the, the production methods even more. So the oil now has a, has a one year, two year shelf life. Oh, wow. Well, that's, yeah. that's extraordinary. Yeah, and then if you freeze it solid, then you can get probably five years out of it. Right, I was, I was molecules don't move; they don't react. Right, I was going to ask you that. Is that been <laughs> freezing properties? But yeah, but that's uh, but a lot of your target audience is also looking at supplements at the same time. So it's not like they're not right. You know, they they can it it does make some sense. Right, to, and and they have other oils in those fridges because we have some competition. You know that that right self self developed competition. That's a, that's a whole other story. <laughs> what what about with food service and stuff with with chefs or restaurants or anything any anything there that you've attempted? And you know, little bit, but that wasn't the focus. Yeah, because the company, my partner that I work with, who makes the oil and distributes it, he's a health food guy. He's not a culinary guy. But the right. truth is, there are about thirty markets that are different markets for a different clientele that could be developed, but we haven't developed them. Right, right. In all this time, we haven't developed them. We've been busy, you know, and we've been international, and it was always based on more on health than on anything else. But but for brain function, very good in in the fitness industry, increases stamina by forty to sixty percent on average within a month of starting to take a tablespoon per fifty pounds of body weight per day. But this is the blend that we're talking about now. We did studies on that. And, uh, and, you know, we thought at one point that the, the athletes, the professional athletes would, would get us into every home because my, my goal was always a bottle of Udo's oil in every house, in every fridge, yeah. right? Because it's, it's that basic to health. And uh, we thought the, 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 uh, like the hockey place, Dallas Carbos was the first team. I, I got to talk to one of their trainers when I was down there. And they were, he put the players on the oil. They said their injuries healed in a ha- in a half to a third to a half the time, that they recovered from fatigue in about half the time, that they built muscle faster, um, and you know they they so they so they loved the oil. And I went home and I thought, oh my God, we're going to be in every fridge. <laughs> Our job is done. And you know what? The professional athletes didn't tell a soul, yeah. <laughs> because it's so competitive that when they get an advantage, you know, they keep it to themselves, yeah. right? They get, they get an edge because why would you want to tell your competitors how to compete more effectively against you? <laughs> I learned that with a product called, called pickle juice. Yeah. Same thing as the recovery, the, you know, and injury and the same thing. Yeah. They have all these people that use it, but nobody that wants to tell anybody about it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It's, you know, a leg up. So, um, so, so, um, you had pretty good distribution in the U.S. When did you go global, or did you go? Did you say, hey, "I'm going to Europe. I'm going to go back to Germany or Poland"? Or how yeah. did how that go? No, we started. Uh, we started the the partner that I work with now. Uh, we started working together in 1994. Mm-hmm. So we started oil in 1987. My partner 1994, and we started taking it. Uh, <clears throat> and this was the, this was the blend. This wasn't flax oil. Right. Yeah. The, we, we started taking the, the uh, blend to England. I think it was 1996. Okay. Australia, somebody had read my book. It's called Fats That Heal, Fats That Kill. He loved the book. He brought me in for a cancer conference in Australia. He bought 1,200 books. Like uh, for me, that was like a really big deal. <laughs> at that That's time, a commitment. Right? Yeah. And, and, then he, and he then distributed the uh, oil in Australia. And that was, I think, in ninety seven or maybe 98. I don't remember exactly the dates, but yeah. And then we just went from place to place and we, the way that they went about it, I was not involved in hiring the people and all of that, but yeah. I was, I was the point man. I was the edu- educator, you know, I, right, I was, right. the, I was the whatever, you know, the face, the and face of the brand, yeah. the face on the brand. Yeah. And, and it was, had my name on it. Uh, Udo's choice. So did, did you, did you go back to where you had been on the road as a child and left? Uh, we went to Germany eventually, yep. but there's nobody there that that I would be familiar with. I don't have family okay. there. 
Right. Um, but I have been, and I, I, German was my first language. I spoke German. I gave t talks on essential fatty acids in German. In German. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I talk simply. My vocabulary isn't huge because we left when I was 10. Right. And, but they appreciated that I made the effort. And then after I'd been in Germany for a month, all of these words that were adult words and adults way of talking that I have never, never used as a 10 year old, they were already in there. And they started coming out and I was like, wow, I didn't know I knew that. Right. And so I can pretty good. If I'm in Germany for seven days, my, my German is fluent. Pick it. Right. But it takes me, but because I don't use it most of the right. time, it takes a while to, to get the, the nerve connections or whatever it is that has right. to happen to bring it up. Um, what, what's, what's sort of, you know, without getting into proprietary stuff, but what's sort of down the road, what's kind of the next plans and what are you trying to do well, to spread the after, word? And yeah, after after oils, I decided. Well, what is the worst? What is the next worst problem we have? And and in my view, it's digestion. There's always going okay. something on. You know, yep. I, you got diarrhea, or you got constipation, or your stomach hurts, or you're burping, or you're you're farting, or you're you know you're yep. throwing up, or you know, there's always something going on because there's so much foreign stuff goes through the digestive tract that it's it it's the hardest working part in your body. And so we worked with uh, probiotics which right. are friendly bacteria and digestive enzymes. Cause when you cook food, you destroy the ones that are in raw food and your body then has to do twice more than twice as much work. And it wasn't made for that. It was actually made for raw food. Mm -hmm. Nature's mandate was fresh, whole, raw, organic for every creature that eats food. And so uh, we, so that if you, if you eat, if you cook your foods, then you need to replace the probiotics you destroy when you cook it. And the enzymes that you destroy when you cook it. So you need to replace those. So we worked with supplements of probiotics and enzymes. And then uh, fiber. Fiber is from plants, so more plants. Yep. You can also get fiber supplements. So we worked with that. Then we got into what's the next thing. Because when you do those three things properly in your digestive tract, it takes care of most of your digestion problem. Right. It's not that complicated. It's like we're just, you know, we're just not living in line with nature and our nature. Right. Then the, th the next one was, well, everybody knows that greens are the foundation of everything. Look around the planet. It's, you know, it, it's blue from space, but it's green on the ground. Yes. And where green things don't grow, people can't live. Right. And they right. make everything, right? They, they make our minerals. They make our amino acids. They make our fatty acids from scratch. They, they make our oxygen. They, they hold water in the soil. They keep our climate warmer in winter and cooler in summer. I mean, go, it goes on and on and on what plants do. They need us for nothing. We need them for everything. So we should be in worship of plants, yeah. not, you know, grateful gardeners instead of greedy killers. Yeah. So then we made a green product because most people know they should eat their greens, but they don't. So we made a portable green product for people when they're traveling or when they're convenient, like to flip them in their shakes and their smoothies right. or whatever they're making. So that was that. Was that. And what I'm doing now is uh, before I check out, I want to have turned health into a systematically organized teachable field based in nature and human nature. Because okay. there's, it's not just food that affects your health, but right. so do your thoughts and so do your feelings. And so does whether you feel calm or not. And so does your environment. And so does the people you hang out with, right? So you basically have to look at all of that. If you want to have the best life, you got to be fully present in all of your, be in all of your nature and your surroundings, because then you're able to respond to what goes on in, around you. Right. Have to do that. That's part of survival. And, uh, but you got to give each one of eight parts its due. And because they're all different in their nature and function, they need a different kind of attention. They go off in a different way and they respond to a different kind of intervention. And most of us only had a uh, a short health class in high school so as a topic yeah know, and not, and and in medicine they get a short health class too because they, right. they're mostly focused on disease i'm interested in health right you know instead of instead of trying to fix the problem why don't we why don't we live in the solution yeah right yeah and that's true for everything that's true for war and peace and that's true for love and hate you know these are part parts of human nature Right. You know, and it's true for uh, for food, and it's true for water, air. It's true for fitness. You know, instead of fixing the problems, why don't you, why don't we preempt them? So why right. don't we chase the carrot instead of running from the stick? Right. The, 
the answer is not to build a bigger dike <laughs> off of Miami. That's not that's not going to help. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah, yeah. What we need to do is we need a we need a freezer in the Arctic. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There needs to be some critical uh, some critical changes there. Um, yeah. Udo, let me ask you about real quick. Um, COVID and the effects of COVID. Yeah. Have created a, a number of paradigm shifts. But mm-hmm. one of the things that we we have seen with food, you know, and with retail food has been a higher level of sensibility amongst people of what they're putting into their bodies. Not saying that they're all turning vegan, but yeah, saying, you, you mean because of COVID? Yes, because of COVID. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden an awareness and, and the fact that most of them never imagined that a global pandemic could happen, mm-hmm. no less, you know, and, and now yeah. enough people are mm-hmm. gone that everybody knows somebody, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, and so this, but this has raised a certain sensibility that means that yeah. people who were not necessarily <laughs> rabid, organic or rabid vegan or whatever, yeah. people, normal, normal people, you know, mothers with two young children or whatever, all of a sudden they're going, wait a minute, I'm not sure I want to put this stuff in, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. I, maybe yeah. I should be eating healthier. Maybe I should be more disease yeah. resistant. So yeah. h- how do you think that's affecting What's going on in food? And- oh, I think, uh, honestly, this is almost like a, a, a spiritual topic because COVID did in two months what all of the great masters, Buddha and Christ and Krishna and, you know, all the rest of them, there's a, there's a bunch of them, have never been able to accomplish in several thousand years. COVID did it in two months. Put the whole world on hold. Right. Everybody got locked up. Stop. And when you're locked up, you can't go outside. The only place where you can go is go inside. And when you start going inside or when you start saying, oh, well, I can't travel and I can't do all of my things that I like to do that I distract myself from asking the deep questions. Right. Now it's like, okay, well, what is really worth doing? Who am I? What, what is this all about? Because now I'm, now I'm under some threat, right? And threat <laughs> sometimes gets you thinking really badly and sometimes it gets you thinking really clearly. Clar- clarity, right? yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... Uh, and so, uh, for me, the way I look at all of this, you know, there are side effects to vaccines and there are, there are problems from a virus. The solution to me, the, the number one solution to me is as long as we've been around, as long as creatures have been on the planet, they have all been made from solar energy, water, air, and dust, you know, and then modified dust in, in the terms of molecules, right? Yes. Yeah. So. And that includes the immune system made out of solar energy, water, air, and dust. Dust. What do I need to do to live as close as I can to in line with the way we were made, which means basically living in line with the natural system before civilization? Yeah. Again, goes back to fresh, whole, raw, organic to some extent, probably more plant than animal-based. Yeah. The research is pretty strong on that. So what do I need to do? that my immune system is able to deal with whatever comes at it. Because one day, it's one year, it's the flu. And the flu takes out, I don't know how many people. Oh, sure. Somewhere between 3,000 and 60,000 a year, especially when they're old and have pre-existing conditions like obesity, uh, diabetes, cardiovascular, cancer, which is immune immune dysfunction is, you know, because you end up, you don't get cancer from an in from an ad, from a well-functioning immune system, right? Because the immune system picks them off, right? And and then lung lung problems, breathing problems for any any of the respira- respiratory virus, colds and flus, and all of yeah. that. What do I need to do? So the biggest issue, it seems, is not enough vitamin D in winter. That's why winter has a flu season. People are saying we should call that the vitamin D deficiency season, because mm-hmm. because vitamin D comes from sunshine. And we don't run around naked in the sun enough, right? We're yeah. covered up to here and we've spent most of our time in buildings. And so we're not getting the vitamin D. And vitamin D for most of the time that I've been in this field, they said take 400 units a day, never take more than 1,000. And they used to say, well, it's for, for bones and teeth. Right. It mobilizes calcium and phosphorus for bones and teeth. Yeah. But then maybe about 15 years ago, researchers discovered that there's vitamin D receptors in every cell in the body. 
And it was like, it's one of those WTF moments, you know? Yeah. Right. Whoa. Why would there be, why, if, if it's only for bones and teeth, why are there receptors in every cell? That's like it would be a waste of time. And it turns out that vitamin D is exceptionally important for immune function. Okay. Right. And, and it has anti cancer properties and yeah. cardio yeah. and yeah. diabetes. And, and then if you're, if you're obese, you need even more vitamin D because it's oil soluble and it gets lost in your fat tissue. Right. So you have to. Right? So yep. you need more to tank up. And now they're saying if you're not over, overweight, up to 10,000 units a day is what you should be taking or between 4,000 and 8,000. So I take 9,000. Yeah. Zinc. So and, and the number of the population that is that doesn't get enough among uh, among African-Americans, it's like 82 percent right. among Hispanic people. It's about 75. It's and about white people, it's about 68. And that's based on the skin pigment. Right. Because the African Americans came from the tropics where there was too much sun almost. Right. And so they got the black pigment for protection. Yeah. But that means they don't make vitamin D as effectively. And then when they go to a place where where there isn't much sun, they have get more of a problem. This is not a this is not a racism issue. This is right. a biological issue. This is how it happens, right? Yeah, right. And um, then zinc. So, so zinc probably uh, fifty to seventy percent of the population doesn't get enough zinc. Our RDA is fifteen milligrams. The average intake is nine, but the RDA is a minimum. I take fifty. Actually, I probably take sixty-five. And you can go up to probably eighty-five without any problems. And zinc is extremely important for immune function, right? Yeah, as well as as well as healing. Where where do we get zinc naturally if we were to get it? Uh, <laughs> eating eating zinc buckets. Zinc buckets. <laughs> no, uh, oysters are. Oh, that's right. Zinc. That's right. That's but right. They're right. But the seafoods are really polluted now. They're the dirtiest right. food on the planet. And pumpkin seeds are the best plant source. Plant source. I, I just take a supplement. Yeah, so zinc right. easier than yeah eating a bunch of pumpkin. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and vitamin C very important for immune function. And some right. people are doing in, intravenous vitamin C. Wow. Where they're taking like ten grams a day, and the ten grams that's like uh, 60, 60 milligrams. Sixty milligrams. It's the RDA. Yeah. They're not taking sixty. They're taking not six hundred. They're taking not six thousand. They're taking ten thousand milligrams. Ten thousand milligrams. Oh yeah. man! And, wow! And and in certain situations, it can be very helpful. Right. Uh, then there's quercetin. Quercetin is a is a bioflavonoid. Um, what else? Um, uh, Omega threes. Part of this cytokine storm that people get comes is made from uh, omega sixes that turn into arachidonic acid that turn into pro-inflammatory uh, eicosanoids. Omega threes block those. Blockbuster, Most people yeah. don't get enough omega threes, so there's another problem for them. Another and deficiency. Then, and then uh, digestive enzymes, because they make you digest your food completely if you do it right, and then your immune system doesn't get tied up in your digestion and is free to do other other jobs in the body. So those are helpful digestive enzymes. And uh, and then probiotics are helpful because you get less toxicity brought into your body by unfriendly bacteria. And so you take toxic loads off your body. Every time you take a toxic load off your body, that will give you a better uh, chance of dealing with a virus, a bacteria, whatever right. comes right. at you, right? Comes at you. Even yeah. I, I had a guy who I asked him to stop drinking his burgundy every night because he had a sore on his, on his wrist that wouldn't heal. And I didn't know what it was. I just said, well, I saw, but I knew he dr drank the burgundy. I said, would you be willing to not drink burgundy for two weeks? And he said, okay. And he, and it healed. And it had been open like for several years. Wow. And it healed. He said, how did you know? I said, I don't know what it is. I didn't know what it is. But I know that when you take, every time you take a load off your body, it becomes a little more able to do things that needs to, that need to be done. A when a sore is there and won't heal, you yeah. know that you, something is overburdening your body because right, naturally right. it would heal. Right. right. It should. Amazing. Yeah. Fascinating and, stuff, Udo. Yeah. And so, so, my, so my question, instead of being pro or anti-vax, is to say, how can we make the body 
as strong as it can possibly be to deal with ever what with whatever comes at it and uh and that would be the first line of defense but but the medical profession is not trained in nutrition right. so that's not there so they don't talk about it and the politicians don't talk about it <laughs> and the government doesn't talk about it you know i've heard i've heard vitamin d mentioned in passing on cnn once in two years yeah i've heard on cbc which is a canadian uh, yeah. national uh, TV. I've heard vitamin D mentioned once and vitamin C mentioned once in passing. Right. But the focus is on all, all you know, vi- vaccination is not a natural process. It makes, it makes, it, it, um, it makes use of some natural principles. And to the extent it does, it can be helpful. Right. But uh, if you actually, if you get the, the virus, your body makes antibodies against about 10 of its proteins. And the vaccine only, if it works, will only make antibodies against one of the proteins. Right. And when you get uh, when you get uh, protection against more of the proteins, you actually end up with longer-lasting, more effective protection than you do when you get only against one protein. Because the moment the bug mutates, <laughs> the vaccine stops working. Right. Yeah, right. we have to find or, another. There's a good chance that the vaccine stop, stops yeah. working or right. doesn't work as well. There will not be as effective against yeah any of those. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. So so you have to think so you have to think like logically about about how how nature how nature works how the body works and you need to be basically it's always about getting more aligned with with nature and our nature. Right. You know, if you're anxious, your your immune system well. If you're anxious, your immune system shuts down. If you're depressed, your immune system shuts down. So don't be depressed, don't be anxious. That's better said than done, but there is a peace within you and an unconditional love within you that is independent of all your dramas and traumas and is not affected by them. So leave leave the dramas and traumas outside as much as you can and live in that unconditional love that life has for your body and the perfect peace that is the source of your existence, as well as the existence of the universe. Those are, if you know how to access them, they are accessible in every human being. And that also helps you stay healthy. Awesome. Because, because you don't fry your own adrenals and you don't, you don't, right. fry, your, you don't fry yourself with, with your, your fear, f- fearful thoughts. The body is a terminal condition. Right. If you checked in, you're going to have to check out. That's that's a given. Yeah. But what you do in between. While you have it, yeah, live in celebration. <laughs> live in celebration. That's awesome. Well, Uda, hey, I want to thank you yeah. so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been you know, yeah. marvelous talking. I knew it was going to be when we were talking from beforehand. Um, yeah. But uh, as, as, uh, as you know, we're, we're, we're dealing with a group of people out there who are ambitious as you are yeah. uh, to try to do things and change things, whether it's within food or uh, other health and wellness or beverages, however we're doing it, that's our that's our yeah. audience. Uh, primarily entrepreneurs, again, like yourself. And yeah. we, we ask folks um, if there was something you would want to share with fellow entrepreneurs, um, something they can look to for inspiration when they're going through those tough times and stuff, what, what would it be? I, I would say, and, and if, if, if I look in my own development, I actually got to a point where my heart ached all the time. And I didn't know what it was. It took me 17 years to find out what it was. And, it, and after 17 years, I heard somebody say, the peace you search for in the world is within you, and I can show you that peace. Well, that's, like, that's good news for a war baby, because yeah. I didn't have peace. They definitely didn't have it. And right. what I found out is that the heartache, and I found that out through the experience of sitting, doing a stillness practice, found out that the heartache is actually not about what, what triggered it. Right, because exactly. it could be because somebody died, or it could be because somebody dumped you, or it could be because somebody didn't keep a promise, and you're really disappointed. And we feel so many things here from so many different triggers. But what that is is we go into a distraction from ourselves, right? And that's a part of the natural process of of uh, <clears throat> of of living. Yep. Our senses always take us out because we need to deal with the environment, and we get disconnected from our self presence and. The heartache is actually your heart calling your awareness to come back home inside to its source in life and beyond that to awareness. 
And you were in that place as a baby in your mother's womb. Right. There was no place to go, nothing to do. But then when you were born, then the outward journey started. The reason why people do meditation or stillness practice or self-knowledge practices is because to go back to your wholeness has to be deliberate because going out is automatic, but coming back has to be deliberate. There's nothing inside of you going, hey, look at me, look at me, right? Because then you'd be attracted to that. It's the within, yes. But, and as close as you get to that within is, is heartache. So that pulls you out of your head, gets you in, you know, makes you simple, gets you grounded. Yep. And then the recommendation is sit in the heartache, sit with it. Don't judge it, just feel it. It's intense. You might have a few tears come down your cheeks. Don't judge it. Just accept it, allow it, be in it, because that far behind it, not even a hair's breadth behind it, is your wholeness. And you, and you may be able to slip back into your wholeness. And then you feel cared for by life because life takes unconditioned care of your body. Yep. And when you feel cared for, then your purpose is not hard to find it's because it's like, okay, what needs to be done? Okay, okay, how can I help? Right? Because now I feel taken care of. It's not about what can I do that'll get me taken care of. That's the way mostly we live. But when, when, you, when you find your home, then the question is, okay, how can I make the biggest splash for good on this planet? And I started in a war. So I, and, and also, when, you, when you're present in your own space, then you can bring all of your, yourself and all of your talents yes. and yeah. everything you have. And you have, every human being has tremendous gifts inside. You yep. can bring all of that to bear into the world that you live in and make it better. And, and, and you know, so, so the, the purpose is already within us. You know, people try to find it with their head, but your purpose right. is actually embedded in your heart. Right. It's already there. When you, and when you take the journey home to your heart, then the purpose is there. Or it'll be triggered by something that you see happening because you're not busy just thinking about yourself. You're actually seeing what's going and said, yeah, you know what? I can make a difference here. Exactly. And it's always about making life less painful or more joyful for as many people as possible. As many and then as how, that's how you get your big markets too. Right, right, exactly. Well, thank you, Ud. I really appreciate it. It's been wonderful. All right. Uh, we want to keep in touch and maybe a little bit down the road, we'll catch up and see what's going on. All right, sounds good. And I also want to thank all the rest of you for joining us today on the Next Level Brands podcast, as always brought to you by the Next Level Brands CPG community. If you have a growing firm in food, beverage, or health and wellness, you should be a part of the Next Level Brands community, resources, courses, workshops, founder coaching, networking, and a whole lot more. If you're having a challenge with distributors, finance, or promotions, the Community Hub is fully searchable by keyword and take you to the answers that you're seeking. More information, as always, available at nextlevelbrands.com. That's next with two X's, nextlevelbrands.com, what you need to know to grow. This is Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at Next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.